0: And good morning, you're listening to McNamara on Money, educating the investors of the South Shore and Merrimack Valley since 1990-something. I think it's 1992. I forget the specifics, but it's been a very long time. Good morning, everybody. Happy Saturday. I'm Alyssa McNamara-Reed with McNamara Financial offices in Marshfield and Chelmsford, Massachusetts. And I am joined this morning very shortly, I hope anyway, by my husband and business partner, uh, Kirk Reed, hopefully uh, walking in the door any moment so that I'm not alone for too long, but he had to drop the kids off. So um, flying solo here for a few minutes, but no problem. I am... (coughs) We were hoping to chat today about, given the time of year, uh, back to school. We wanted to have a back to school um, discussion specifically as it relates to college, the cost of college, the rising cost of college, um, the increasing battle that parents have with regards to helping their kids pay for college, should they wanna do that. Um, we're not gonna talk too much about um student loans today, because we have a guest coming on in a in a future show from um, MIFA, the Mass Edge, oh gosh, MIFA, Math Mass, I'm gonna, I forget what it stands for. Um, they're a, a financing institution that help people get financing for college, for colleges, if you live in Massachusetts, sorry, Massachusetts Educational Financing Authority. Um, and so we're not going to talk too, too much about student loans today, but we wanted to talk, uh, because we're covering that in in a future show very shortly, but we wanted to talk about um, just helping people start to think about getting their kids through college, saving for college, um, how to ballpark, what they should be saving for college, what their options for saving uh, for college tax efficiently are um, and sort of all things surrounding that. So this is a back to school special. and if anyone has questions for us, 781-837-4900, if you're listening here on the South Shore. You can also email us. We do have a new dedicated email account for McNamara on Money, and that's questions at com. You can also always check out our McNamaraOnMoney.com website for podcasts, videos, and articles surrounding anything you could possibly imagine surrounding personal finance. Good morning. You made it.
1: Good morning. <laughs> 1990, because I just heard a commercial uh, with your dad on the radio. Oh, when it said,
0: I always want to say he 92. Said doing the show
1: since 1990.
0: Okay, so longer than I even thought. So almost 30. So we have our 30 year anniversary
1: uh, next year, I guess. Yes. Yeah.
0: Um, okay, so I have lots of conversations with clients that that have kids, young young kids, anyway, um, regarding college. The, you know, everyone knows that this is a financial. I was going to use the word burden, but you know edu- getting, making sure your kids are educated and can have a bright financial future um, theoretically, those two things are linked um, is extremely important obviously so it, so while it's a financial burden, perhaps a necessary one or in many in many people's eyes anyway, depending on um, depending on your child's interests and, and skills and, and and where they see themselves
1: right and I, yeah, and I think well, I think you know a lot of people you know, a fair, a fair number of people, you know, it was a burden on them, right? You know, maybe, you know, maybe, maybe their experience was that, that, you know, that their parents couldn't, you know, couldn't pay for them and, or couldn't, you know, pay for everything. And so maybe they had to, you know, work their way through college or, um, you know, space it out and, you know, pay for it themselves. Yeah. And so I think, you know, that's kind of the, you know, the natural, you know, the, the, the parent the parent thing to do is you know you don't want you know you don't want your kids maybe to go through you know something that you had to go through if, right. if, if it was a if it was a you know not a great experience and so i think a lot of people want to do the best they can to you know help their kids in that regard so they don't maybe have to have all that that debt and and have to pay for it
0: yeah and having said that i've also had discussions with people who either did or didn't have to take their own loans but they feel that having their students take on some of the financial burden themselves is um, motivational in that, you know, if they're paying for a portion of this themselves, maybe they'll take it more seriously. Maybe they'll study harder and, you know, so that they get a better job and can, and can pay you know, pay off those loans. But so, I, you know, I I always approach the discussion with people very delicately because people feel about um, this differently and it's not my position to judge anybody. And I just, you know, sort of open up the conversation. What are your thoughts? What are you you thinking regarding this in terms of, are you gonna help your kids pay for this? Are you intending to fully pay for it? Are Are you intending for them to fully pay for it? Is this something we even need to plan for? For most people we're planning in some way. Um, for it, should they have some discretionary income that they can start planning with? Um, but yeah, people just feel about it differently, and that's fine. And um, people have different means, obviously, and that's fine too. And so we're just here to kind of talk through um, the issues that people should be thinking about. Um, you know, starting to project some of the costs and some of the, um, <clears throat> you know, starting to th- help people think about well, what what does X Y Z savings translate to in terms of my ability? Um, to help my kid, what do I need to be saving? Where should I be saving, um, and things like that. So, as I was, you know, getting ready for this show, I found some really um, interesting uh, statistics and articles online. That there's obviously, there's of course, lots and lots of information you can find online, and um, you know, different articles surrounding. The rising cost of college—it's—it's a—it's a—I don't know if I want to use the word epidemic, but it's certainly um, daunting. And so there's there's lots of resources available. Um, I found one article in particular that I thought was interesting. It was this—this um, this is about a year ago from the USA Today. There was an article. Um, I think it was October of 2018. Yeah, October thirteenth of twenty eighteen from the USA Today, and it was the top one hundred colleges, university, and universities where student applications are on the rise in the United States. Um, and <clears throat> I'm not going to list all the hundred universities, and actually a lot of them aren't incredibly local. But Boston University uh, is on there. It's on the it's on the low end, and I think um, Mass College of Art was up ranked pretty high. Anyway, there were a couple in Massachusetts, but the point was the statistics are These that
1: were col- What was it? Colleges where applications were App- increasing? Yes, okay. so where
0: there the number of applicants are are, okay. are substantially increasing. So, and then I'm I'm going to kind of skip to the 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 meat the meat of the article, I think. Um there are several dozen so there's it's a list of the top hundred, this is from a year ago, top hundred colleges and universities where applications are substantially on the rise. There was about two dozen private institutions on the list, but the vast majority were public schools. So so I guess I'll back up a moment that the there's a pretty staggering difference between the annual cost of a public college versus a private college when you even, even all in with room and board, public institutions in general are significantly less expensive than private colleges. So it does, I guess it doesn't surprise me, but it's just nice to see some, some hard statistics from this study anyway, that like 80% or 75%, um, of the colleges that have seen dramatic increases in their applicants are public schools. And that makes a lot of sense because right. people are-
1: College, Yeah, because yeah, the, the private ones are just getting so expensive. Yeah. Yeah, yeah that's, yeah. And I, yeah, go ahead, yeah.
0: Um, and then I just, yeah. And then it said, one more, I just wanted to read one more thing from this article. Of the 100 schools with the largest increases in applicants, most of them do have a larger student body than they did five years ago. So 75% of them or 75 of the 100 do, did, did admit, have a larger student body. So they actually admitted more students um, as compared to five years ago. However, 65 of the 100 schools, acceptance rates are lower, meaning schools can, are, are able to get more are able to be pickier I guess r- with regards to who they're admitting because their applicant pool is so much larger. Right. So they're able to be more selective with regards to who they're admitting. Um so so the the majority of them are have lower rates. Yeah, so now it's getting so harder it's to get harder. into public schools, yeah. yeah. Yeah, so. And that's not um, surprising given the long-term rise of the cost of college tuitions and how that has outpaced inflation pretty substantially over a long time from all the research I've looked at. I I looked at some um, research that went back, oh, I think it was to the 70s and how, you know, several decades ago um, or actually very long-term like the data that I looked at that went back to the 70s college tuition has outpaced inflation by like a percent and a half to two and a half percent per year yeah, for a very long time. I'm just
1: trying to look that up. Just get some get some numbers on that. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I, I looked it up and I'm clicking through all my open windows here on my laptop because I did pull that. Um, but I, I found something that said, you know, back in the you know if we rewind a few decades you know maybe college tuitions were rising between six and nine percent per year but inflation was higher a few decades ago okay so that so that the, del- the delta or yep. the difference between college tuition and, and and inflation i think was still maybe a couple percent wasn't all that substantial in the last decade the 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 research that i was looking at said that college tuitions on average have increased about 5% per year. So that's on average over a decade. Um, and and inflation over the last decade has probably been about average, two and a half three 3%. It's yeah, been a it's little been, bit it's low.
1: It's been like 2%, I think, over the past 10 years. So. Okay.
0: And then in the last three or four years, college tuitions, have the, the rise has been slower. So maybe two to three to 4% but inflation has been really low in the last few years. So, so I think the, the big picture is that historically speaking for a long time, the, the cost of college has outpaced regular inflation on like your groceries right. and your gas and things like that and your housing. And and that has been the norm for a while. So I'm skipping ahead a little bit, but one of the conversations that, w- that I wanna have is how you can kind of quickly and easily um figure out how much well figure out what your savings in terms of college will pay for in the future and basically if if your if in if the cost of college is outpacing inflation by let's call it 2% and if you can if your kids are young enough where you can invest and and invest your money that's earmarked for their college and you would hope that your investments will outpace inflation by maybe two, three, 4%, depends on how old the kid is and how how you're invested. It's pretty simple to do some long-term calculations with regards to what is my money going to pay for? Because you don't have to worry about present value, future value, my earnings, you know, can can I save less because, can I save less than the sticker price because my investments are going to grow? Well, maybe not because the cost of your tuition is going to grow as well. And I don't know if your investments are going to outpace the cost of college. So it's kind of, so in terms of, in terms of the actual savings is difficult, but in terms of projecting what your savings will pay for, it's pretty simple when, when I have conversations about it anyway, but I'm fast forwarding and we'll kind of um, explain that a little bit more.
1: Yeah, I found, Do a question. well, I just, I found one article. This was from, from Forbes, uh, Forbes.com. This was about a year ago, it was July of 2018. And the, you know, the heading is uh, price of college increasing almost eight times faster than wages. Um, so, you know, it goes on to talk about, you know, how it's just, it goes up so much faster than everything else. Um, you know, it does- That's
0: a very recent article.
1: About a year. That, that about does make sense old, because you know. we
0: haven't had a lot of wage growth in this decade I, I, after the Great Recession. Um, there, there, there's there been, it's historically very low or stagnant wage growth. So that actually makes sense. The cost of college has continued to increase when we've had no, no wage growth until like this year, I think, we, we finally saw a little bit of wage growth. So that makes sense that- in this decade, anyway, that that has been the case, and that's incredibly unfortunate. I mean, traditional inflation has been really low in this decade. Um,
1: so it had, yeah, it has yeah. a couple, couple other numbers. Uh, it says, so it, it gives some, some, in, you know, some numbers for. It to, uh, let's see, uh, the average cost per year for the 2015-2016 yeah. academic year uh, was just over $19,000 for a public. Four-year university. Okay, uh, and they said it's almost forty thousand for you know for private. Yep.
0: Um,
1: and so it says you know so it says the average. Um, uh, let's see. So you know they did some math and they said the total cost of attendance you know including you know room and board and everything uh, comes to a little over hundred thousand dollars you know for four years for public for, for public. Pu- for uh, and then they say if you compare that to a four-year degree in 1989, oh wow, it was about twenty-seven thousand dollars.
0: Wow, yeah,
1: um, you know, so it's just it just yeah, the the rate of increase is is crazy.
0: One of the conversations I have with my clients regarding this is that it's just it's it's it can be very difficult to project the actual need because number one, if your kid is like five, you have no idea where they're going to school, right? And you might have an inclination whether you would encourage them or, uh, or or tell them that they're going to go public or private. I mean, it, it be based probably based on you know what what your experience was, um, but you don't really know anything about their academic future yet. When your kids are so young and you're starting to do these projections and save, there there's also, on average, a pretty staggering difference or there can be a pretty staggering difference between the sticker price of a college and what people are actually paying. Mm -hmm. Because we have things called grants, scholarships, loans, and I I guess I'll factor out loans because you're still paying if you're you're getting loans, you're still paying for the cost of college. Um, But like grants and scholarships, for example, awards, I guess I would call them, that's pretty, it's pretty common for people to receive those. In fact, I looked, um, I tried to get some statistics in this regard. Um, the, The most recent study that I could find regarding what percentage of students are receiving some sort of award, which is not a student loan, like an award, and the most recent study that I found just doing my research in the last couple days was from a few years ago. So this is a little bit outdated, but there was a study from 2014 and 2015 academic year that said that about two thirds of full-time students received some amount of grants or scholarships. Now that could have been a thousand dollars or it could have been $50,000. So there's a wide range, Um, but still it's fairly common for students to receive Aid much of it need based, mm-hmm. but but perhaps not necessarily. Um, and and then I just I dug a little bit deeper, and of that of the uh, in that same uh, academic year, 2014, 2015, of all the of all the awards, I'm sorry, of all the financial aid, which includes awards and loans, loans, of course need to be paid back, of all the aid, About 60% of it was grants, so that and grants don't need to be paid back.
1: Grants, yeah, grants are the good ones.
0: Yeah, and 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 34% was loans. So there's a pretty sub. I mean, again, Kirk and I, our kids are younger. We haven't been through this personally. But I, of course we have lots and lots of clients that we had lots and lots of discussions with about this and and people having gone through it and and going through it now and and stuff like that. And and it's fairly common, and also discussions we've had with college professionals who we've had on the show in the past. It's fairly common for awards to be (laughs) awarded Mm -hmm. (laughs) for scholarships and grants to be awarded. So it just can be, and again, there's an incredibly wide range of awards but it can be really, um, it can be really hard to project the actual cost. Better to be safe than sorry, and be certainly better to oversave if oversaving for college is your biggest problem. Congratulations, but you know, but it's just, it's it can be daunting for someone to have their target. Savings line up with the sticker price of a private institution. That, that's incredibly daunting. That's, yeah, that's
1: but, uh, probably not achievable for, for most people, yeah. I mean, a, a great goal. Yeah, but, f- but,
0: for but many people, not. Probably difficult, yeah. I also found a cool um, article from the U.S. News and World Report. And this was from, this one was recent. This was from, where's the date on this? Oh, I think it was from this calendar year. Um, I'm sorry, this is the 2017-2018 academic year. I, sound, I found an article in U.S. News and World Report for their best value schools. So, so based on cost and academic academics, um, academic quality, uh, cost of attendance, and and average financial aid awarded. So they have a list of um, best value for your money, and there's a lot of. Uh, well, there's some statistics on here that I think are pretty cool. For example, um, one of them is Princeton University in New Jersey, obviously a very renowned institution. Um, It said that based on that 2017 2018 academic school year, 60% of their students received need-based grants. So so more than half of their students were receiving um, awards. And their average cost... This is for tuition only. This one doesn't include room and board. I believe their average cost after receiving grants was $15,000 just for tuition.
1: That doesn't include $15, room and board. $15,000 a year.
0: Was the average cost for, for someone tuition. to go to Princeton here quickly Google okay. what quickly look up what is the actual tuition at Princeton. It's okay, probably sure. like Forty grand, and th- they're saying that the the point of this article is that there was substantial aid awarded for sixty percent of the students attending Princeton in uh, that academic I school mean, year.
1: This came up for the 2016, 2017,
0: It was forty five thousand. Okay, so so if it's forty five, they're saying that the the average out of pocket cost for someone after grants and awards was fifteen thousand five hundred dollars. So the point is oh, that's wait, a substantial
1: yeah, amount of awards. Yeah, so here's a new so for a new number, uh current number is like just for tuition is about fifty two thousand. Yeah, okay. That, and a, this is a like current a year
0: Yeah. So this is I mean obviously Princeton is admitting some a uh, high caliber v- intelligence, right. you know, students. It's, yeah, I mean it's an Ivy. yeah. Yeah. So so but the point is that's a huge difference, especially over four years. Um, and on this list from new U.S. News and World Report, there's a lot of very, um, there's a there's a lot of Ivy League schools on here. Harvard is on here, MIT, Yale, Stanford, um, Columbia. Yes, I see. Tim's giving me UPenn, Duke. I'm just so I could keep going. Peace. I get so excited. Peace. No. <laughs> yeah. Peace, man. Um, Peace yeah. The point is that some of these. Um, I don't know, what what do I call them? High caliber or well, you know, renowned institutions are, um, you know, are admit, are, are they have, you know, large foundations and and, and they have, you know, dollars to award and and they're giving some pretty big academic awards um, to to a significant amount of their students. Now these, now this, these statistics are for need-based awards. So if, you know, if if you have a college-bound student and you make a half a million dollars a year, you might not be receiving any of these awards. Right. And But fortunately for you, you can probably pay for the sticker price out of pocket if, if that's your level of income. So my, my only point, my point in this discussion was that Number one, it's hard. It's just hard to plan. And and number two, awards and you know grants and scholarships are not uncommon. And um, you know I think if your student is applying, it seems to me that if your student is applying to an institution where they're um, uh, attractive to the school from an academic or you know extracurricular point of view, then then perhaps you know you'll receive some awards and you won't necessarily be paying that sticker price. So. Um, all right, we are gonna, we're gonna come back. We're gonna continue our, dis- our back to school discussion, college-based um, discussion today. I'm Alyssa McNamara-Reed, and we'll be right back.
1: Okay, we are back. All right, so first, last segment we're talking about, we're going back to school. Uh, so we were talking about going to college, going to school and paying for college. Um, so we're just talking about the rate of inflation, uh, you know, the c- rise in costs of college have g- been going up, you know, more than the rate of inflation, more than the rate of uh, wage increases. Um, and, you know, that's probably going to continue. Um, I but, would
0: imagine so. Yeah.
1: Um, so I guess, yeah. So we're going to talk a little bit maybe about are we talking about savings now? or?
0: Hold on. I wanted to before we transition to that. I found, I have a couple more just resources, uh, articles that I, that I thought were um, really helpful that I wanted to reference. Um, one of them is um, a federal government resource. So I was reading that this was developed during the Obama administration. Um, it's, call, it's called uh, College Scorecard. And the website is collegescorecard.ed.gov. So this is a federal government um, resource, and there's just there's just lots of information regarding um, college. You, you can research specific colleges, cost of college, things like that. It's the, I guess the intent was to help people make a more educated decision regarding sending their kids or regarding going to college. Um, but what I thought was really cool about it is that you can um, you can search school by sc- you can search for any school, any federal, any um, accredited institution in the United States, and it'll show you some, what I think are three really cool pe- uh, pieces of data regarding that institution. So for example, I put in Villano- Villanova University, my, my alma mater and Kirk's as well. Um, and it doesn't give you the sticker price here, but that, that's, a, that's quick. You can just go to the institution's website and grab that sticker price of Villanova is probably 70,000 no, no, per can... year. Um, but what, what this resource will give you is the average annual net price for federal aid recipients, after aid from the school, state, or federal government, so this is not. So, so we were talking a little bit in the last segment about there is a difference between sticker price and and what people actually pay for right. school, and nobody real nobody knows what that's going what the net price is going to be until you have your letter from the school. In what spring of your of your student's senior year, um, so, but this will give you averages, which is really cool. So for Vill-U- Villanova University on this website, it says the average annual cost is about forty two thousand dollars, and the sticker price is probably seventy. Uh,
1: well, t- tuition is like fifty four thousand. Okay, just, room and just, board just is, just tuition, room and yeah. board's
0: probably eighteen or twenty something like that. So, so the average annual cost significantly lower. Not that everyone receives awards, but but a substantial. But this is just average, um, and then and then they go they go further and they give you the graduation rate. Yep, so nine for Villanova, ninety percent, and then average salary after attending the school, which is really cool. So let me, let me read the fine print. Salary after attending is the median earnings of a former student who received federal financial aid at. 10 years after entering the school. So I guess that's about six years post-graduation. Um, so, Or we hope. <laughs> uh, yeah, right. <laughs> um, so this is really cool. You can put any school in here and you can find the average net cost. Doesn't mean what you're going to pay. Some people pay less than that or nothing. Some people pay the full sticker price, but it's giving you the average. Um, and then salary after attending, I think is pretty cool. $78,000 a year for a Villanova, grad. I, I played around with, um, I put another one in. I can't remember what I put but you can just go and you can search for any school and it'll give you that information, which I think is, um, I think it's pretty cool. So that website is collegescorecard.ed.gov. So it's a, um, Theoretically, a trustworthy <laughs> resource, given that it's
1: right provided by it's the federal just, government. I mean, that's one way to look at it, right? Is just as a as a math, right? You know, just looking at the math of it, and you know, what's what's the cost versus what are you potentially yeah. getting out of it? Right. So that's certainly a way to look at it. I know you. I you know that's that's your your angle as a as a math person, a, a numbers person.
0: Oh, for sure. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> right. And it's, it doesn't mean that your student is going to be earning that money, but, but right. you know that's an average and. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I also found one other um I found one other article on National Public Radio. So on NPR dot org, this is a little bit dated, but I found an article from September of twenty fifteen. So so definitely dated. But the they had this really cool chart. I love graphs and charts, you know being a numbers person in, a, in an engineering background and then now in finance. But I find this article on NPR.org, what you'll actually pay at 1,550 colleges. So they did like a study of 1,550 colleges and they, um, they charted average net price against income for the family, like the parental income, right. right? So... The, the chart shows you at different levels of income, what the, how the net sticker price increases as income increases. So obviously if you're a higher income earner, if you're, or if your household has higher income, your net price is going to be higher because you're going to receive less need-based or no need-based right. aid. And if you're in the family's income is, is, you know, lower then potentially you're receiving more need-based aid and your net price for the school is lower. So I just thought it was really cool. Again, this is on npr.org. This is a little bit dated, but it's, the article was what you'll actually pay at 1,550 colleges. And they have a ch- like an interactive chart on here where you can select a college. So again, I selected Villanova University. Go cats. <laughs> and it, ch- it charts the net... Um, the net price against income. So, it, and it has different bands. Like if a household income is zero to 30,000 a year, 30 to 50,000, 50 to 75, and then up from there. And it's, it's a, it's a, um, it's amount, it's like a, <laughs> it's a hill right? <laughs> and it increases as, so, so net price increases as income increases, but still so, the average. All right, so you're going give, give, give me, give me an example. So for example, household income between 48 and $75,000 per year, the net price just for tuition, $26,000 versus sticker price, $56,000. So that's a $30,000 delta. I love that word difference. Um, and that
1: includes uh, loans. Like if, if they had to take a loan, that's, that's built into that, uh, that Data
0: reflects students who receive federal aid from the federal government. Yeah. So that's, uh, no, I think this is grants. Oh, you had to ask me that.
1: I'm mm, sorry. That's
0: okay. The, uh, grants, grants, and scholarships.
1: Okay. Yeah,
0: the price of college varies widely. Net price, net price is the annual price of tuition, supplies, and living expenses after financial aid, grants, and scholarships.
1: So the 20, so it was twenty six thousand, and that you know that, and then they, they, they pay, they pay for that however they need to, either out of cash okay. flow or 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 they're taking loans perhaps. Yeah, uh, and you know that's, what, I'm but sorry, that's what this, paying, this yeah. probably
0: does include like the federal subsidized loans that you can okay. take up to five or $6,000 a year or something. So I'm sure it includes that. Uh, but it doesn't include, it doesn't include private loan, private right. loans or anything like that. Okay. Yeah. Right. And then for households with income above $110,000 a year, Average net price was forty-three thousand oh, dollars. Pretty big jump. Pretty big jump for just thirty thousand, thirty-five thousand dollars of income. Thirty so thousand oh, yeah. dollars.
1: The cost went from twenty-six thousand to forty-three thousand. Forty-three thousand. Yeah.
0: Still a difference between the sticker price of 50, uh, fifty-six just for tuition and 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 the payment,
1: but. But that was what uh, like seven. I think the difference was like seventeen thousand a year. Yeah. T- times four years.
0: And that and that's only a difference of thirty five thousand dollars of income. Right. So that's that's not a lot. But so that but that's essentially the entire after tax amount of that <laughs> difference in income. Theoretically, would need to be allocated to school in that example. But um, I just thought that was cool. That was on the NPR website, and that was a few that was a few years ago. But it was kind of a cool interactive chart illustrating the difference between um, sticker price, net price, on average. Anyway, I mean, it's it's of course impossible to know what your actual situation will be, but. Right um but that that's cool cuz if obviously you know your average household income and you can kind of see what the averages are
1: right really at least at least yeah it's a good way for just for like to do some projections if you want to get kind of get a an estimate of how much you might pay yeah um, yeah
0: and we've had um college counselors on the show in the past and um we've had for example Greg Cohen from College Bound has been on our show in the past and he was saying that the each that uh, institutions in general are getting a lot better about putting resources on their institution's website where people can can do a financial aid an aid or award calculation. So there's always you've always been able to to Google um, uh, expected family contribution or for or FAFSA you know financial you know um, uh, calculator. You've always been able to to you know, do a, a calculation for federal financial aid. But, but um, he was saying that, you know, not different institutions have their own ways of calculating aid and awards. Right. And he said that the institutions themselves are getting better about putting resources for parents on that institution's website. So if your son or daughter is really interested in one particular school, hopefully you can jump on the website and do your own in advance calculation regarding what might the cost be for my particular student and All enter right. in some detailed numbers and, and kind of do your own calculation and,
1: and so like those calculators are kind of geared towards their actual me- yeah. their methodology is yeah yeah, yeah. So,
0: right so you put in your income your assets whether your student has income or assets um,
1: and so if they, if they have different biases many- or, di- or different uh, not biases but different um uh waitings or whatever it, right. like, that's basically reflected in that those that calculator
0: right like for example i know in the in the fafsa calculation the federal one the pro, your pro, the equity in your primary residence it's either completely excluded or it's excluded up to a high maximum but i believe that there are other in, that the institutions themselves like if someone has a million dollar, a million dollars of equity in the primary residence, they might factor some of that into yeah. their to their calculation. I think yeah, that's like something like, like, the, like yeah. the, well, they
1: have like the well, there's the FAFSA, but then there's also like the other. I think it's is it called the, the profile or something? There's, there's yeah. another there's yes, another application, yeah. and that and a lot of like private institutions use that one.
0: Right.
1: Uh, and I know yeah, there are some other things that they that it's they look. At. It's a little more it's calculated, inclusive. Yeah, 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 they look at a lot of things. Yeah. yeah.
0: Um, anyway, I just, I thought that those were some really cool resources, but, but if, but yeah, I mean, definitely if you have students um, high school age, college scorecard.ed.gov was a really cool um, resource for institution specific information,
1: um, financial information. And just, to, just, you know, talking about resources, you know, another one that I've always found is very good is uh, savingforcollege.com. Absolutely. Uh, yeah. That's like a <laughs> You know they've got lots of really good information, and they do have some some calculators and tools on there. Uh, But it's a lot of just good information about you know different types of savings plans, um, you know cost of college, information about loans. Yeah, Uh, it's I think that's a that's a great resource. They do,
0: yeah, they do have a lot of resources. Um, there was one other article that I found, but of course I have so many windows open that I'm not finding it right now regarding. Like the total future cost of college, which was kind of daunting, but I can't, I can't find it right now. Oh, one, one other, um, one other point. Uh, I, you know, we were talking about the difference between public schools, private schools, and then the tuition. I again, our kids aren't of college age yet. So we haven't gone through this personally, but I recently went on to um, the mass.gov website, or actually it's mass.edu, the Mass Mass Department of Higher Education website. <laughs> and there are a lot more public schools in Massachusetts than I would have imagined. Have you ever looked at the full list? No. It's, it's just because I have this, you know, not that you have to, your kid has to, you know, of course, there are public institutions in other states, but out-of-state tuition is um, not always much less than a private school tuition. Um, there's a lot of, of public schools in Massachusetts. There's, and again, this is just on mass.edu. Um, there are like 14 or 15 community colleges. So, that, so that's a lot all over the state. But then there are one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine state universities, and then five, six I guess technically six if you count UMass Online, University of Massachusetts school. So I didn't yeah. know that. So I
1: mean, I just did a quick thing and it came up and says 29. It says 29 public colleges. Yeah,
0: there's actually a lot: Bridgewater State, Fitchburg State, Framingham, Mass College of Art, Mass College of Liberal Arts, Mass Maritime, Salem State, Westfield State, Worcester State, and then there's five UMass: right. Amherst, Boston, Dartmouth, Lowell, and then UMass Medical, and then UMass Online. Um, and then there's, it says University of Massachusetts Systems Office. I don't actually know what that is. If that's a separate school, I didn't click on to mm. see that. But um, yeah, there's just a lot more than I thought. And I, sometimes I, when we're having this conversation with people, sometimes I pull out that list and people are kind of like, oh yeah. Um, you know, I don't know how that compares to public. Maybe maybe that's nothing, that's probably nothing compared to what like California has for public schools. Yeah. But we're a yeah, small state. So. Yeah. Uh, but that's pretty interesting. Um, all right. So in terms of what, particular specifics regarding ways to save for college. Um, in my mind, there's there's two kind of three options for saving for college. Um, the 529 college savings account is by far, in my mind, the most appropriate. I think it's by far the most common. And I think that's be, I believe that's because it's by far the most appropriate for most people that are saving dollars for college, actually for education in general. Um, so 529 college savings account, there's also the prepaid 529 prepaid tuition plan, which is different, but the 529 college savings account is just, it's an investment account and it's just a very tax efficient investment account for dollars earmarked for education purposes. So you in Massachusetts, there's a small tax deduction to put, if you use the Massachusetts 529, which is through fidelity, um, there's a small uh, tax benefit for that. But you can really use a 529 college savings account sponsored by any state. Your student can go to school in any state, regardless of where, of which states 529 you use. That's that's not an issue. Um, and so there's 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 no federal deduction to put dollars in a small state one in Massachusetts, um, but the the yeah, benefit the, is that and
1: the, yeah it's so it's I think it's up to a thousand dollars for a single and yeah. and two thousand for a for a you know joint you know married filing joint right
0: and that's a, that's a deduction so it's like a fifty dollar to a hundred dollar tax benefit per year right yeah. so it's, yeah so it's pretty small but it's there if you use the fidelity u fund, um, so the, but the the real benefit is that especially if you start saving for your student or your kid when they're on the younger side or your grandkid um, and you can get 15 or 18 years worth of compounding interest, earnings are completely tax-deferred and tax-free on the way out if used for higher education, unlimited amounts. You can actually post 2017 Tax Cuts and Jobs Act. You can actually draw up to $10,000 per year from a 529 for private elementary and and middle school and high school. That is capped. The tax-free draw uh, for undergrad, for for primary school and, and high school is capped, but there's an unlimited tax-free draw from a 529 for higher education of any accredited institution, and I there's like an, a list of accredited institution on the IRS website, and it's it's expansive. I mean, I you know there's trade schools on there, there's culinary schools, um, you know, two-year, four-year schools, community colleges. It's very, very expansive. Um, so that's be, because of the tax benefits of, you know, of tax deferral and tax free to a point, if you're using it for a private high school and stuff, um, that it's just, it's very, very appropriate for people.
1: So, uh, yeah, I guess, um, you know, just to point out the, you know, I guess, potential downsides, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so the, you know, the thing about the, the, you know, the savings plan is, you know, y- you know, you the, the investor or the owner, you know, you, you have to pick, you know, how that money is invested. And, you know, so there, you know, there really are no guarantees, uh, in a 529 savings plan as far as, you know, what you might earn on your money. Um, you know, so either use, you know, you can, you can go direct, you know, to these places and you can pick your own investments, uh, or Mm -hmm. you can, you know, or you can talk to Fidelity or, or, or an advisor and, you know, they can help you just, you know, decide how to invest the money. Um... But really, you know, really, there's not a—I don't think a guarantee. I don't know if the, i don't know if Fidelity offers any guarantee, you know—not like
0: that a, I'm aware of, unless you put it in their fixed account or their money market maybe, or something. Maybe. Yeah, but yeah. it's an investment account. Right. Sure, there's so, a certainly investment risk so associated. So there, yeah. yeah,
1: so there's investment risk. Yeah. Um, you know, I guess. Which is, you know, either either you like that or you don't like that.
0: Thank you for that compliance disclosure. Yes, as I'm talking yes. about compounding interest right. and it being tax-free, right. yeah, I guess not guaranteed, right? right. Earnings not guaranteed.
1: Uh, so. But you know, but the hope the hope is that you know by taking you know maybe by taking that risk that you can you know hopefully grow your money. Um, either well, hopefully more than you know than the cost of college is going up, or yeah. or at least keep pace with. Yeah. Uh, versus you know if you if you're just socking it away in the bank, you know there's there's a very good chance that that money is actually trailing. You yeah. Know, it's trailing behind yeah. the, the you know the cost of college. If college is going yeah. up three or four or five percent per year, and if you're in the bank earning you know one percent, you know you're actually you're falling. You know you're not you're falling yeah. ba- you're falling backwards. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so the hope with the five twenty nine is that you know, you can earn enough to ac- actually grow your money uh, and, and or, you know, at least keep at pace. Least keep up, at least, at keep, least pace. keep pace, yeah. Uh, that's that's the
0: hope. 529s are really great in that they are, um they're very flexible with regards to the student that they can be used for too. So, um, like I said, a lot a lot of, people start saving for college when their kids are very young because they're nervous because this is a discussion that's been around a long time and college is expensive and everybody knows it. Um, so people start saving early and thank goodness for that. Um, but it, but uh, with a five twenty nine, it's actually a, an account that's owned by the parent and the child is just named as a beneficiary, as an intended recipient of the funds. But the beneficiary can be changed at any time an unlimited amount of times with no taxes, penalties, consequences, nothing. And it can be changed to anyone in the extended family. It's very flexible with regards to, it can go up or down a generation, it can go to cousins, it can go to to really anyone in the extended family. So if you have a student and you're kind of like, well, I didn't go to college. I went right into the trades. What if my kid doesn't go to college? Well, if you have another kid, or if you have nieces or nephews, or if you'll go back to school one day, you know, it can be, you can change the beneficiary without worrying about taxes or penalties of doing that. So it's very flexible in that regard, especially for people that have multiple kids. Well, what if this kid doesn't use it all or if they don't use any of it? Well, you can just switch it around and use it with anyone in the family. So people really like that flexibility and it kind of removes that. Well, what if my kid doesn't use it and I put all this money away and then I'm gonna have to pay a bunch of taxes and penalties later? Well, that's not the case.
1: And and another example is you know maybe uh, maybe you're, uh, you're, you're pregnant and you don't even know, you know, what, you know, what your child's name is or yeah. whatever. You yeah. Can, you could, you could start, you can still start one and, yeah. just, and just list yourself as the beneficiary. We actually
0: did that. Do you remember? Yes,
1: I remember. Uh, yeah.
0: <laughs> We're such overachievers. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So you can list yourself and then, yeah, and then, and then, change, then change it that. to the child, you know, once it, but yeah. And there's like, there's really no, there's pl- you have plenty of time to make that change. And yeah. Really, really just need to have the beneficiary be correct when you take the money out. That's correct. It really just, it, you know, so you have all right. that time to change it until you actually go to make that, that withdrawal and then you need to fix it ahead of, you know, right. before then.
0: And we've even had people change it like a week or two before they take <laughs> funds out for a different, a different kid. Right. So, yeah. yeah. Very flexible. Um, and worst case scenario is, you know, and then, you know, someone will pose the question, well, what if I, what if I have one child and they don't go to college and I have no nieces and nephews and, you know, what's the worst, sort of the worst case scenario is, you, you put a bunch of money in a 529, again, great problem to have that you've saved and you didn't need it. Um, and you wanna take it out and, and, and use it for your own personal non-education purposes. And if that's the case, you always because there was no federal tax deduction to put your money in, you always get your capital back with no taxes or penalties. So if you, over the course of 10 years, put um, $50,000 into a 529, you can always get that 50,000 back with no taxes or penalties, even if you don't use it for college. What you'll pay taxes and a penalty on is the earnings in the account. So if that if you put in 50 and over 10 years, that, that grew to be a hundred. In that example, you'd take 50 out tax-free and then that $50,000 that represents your earnings, you would pay uh, income taxes plus a 10% penalty on those dollars. Right. So the worst case scenario is you pay some taxes on the growth, if there's growth uh, of the investment, and you do pay a 10% penalty, um, but if if you are just, you know, contrast that with. If you never saved a penny for college and you just saved that $5,000 in your own name and we're investing that anyway, you'd be paying taxes on that any, anyway. You wouldn't be paying a penalty to, to, to withdraw it, but you would be paying taxes along the way and then you'll have capital gains. Anyway, so it's like, it's the, the, the taxability. If it's not used for education, the taxability of it, in my mind, is like, again, if that's the worst problem you have, congratulations. Um, so I, I think that it's a, the 529 college savings plans are a very appropriate um, and common way for people to save for education. It's by far um, the, what I recommend the vast majority of the time. And maybe after the break here in a couple minutes, we can talk about uh, other options. Yeah,
1: I had one other example uh, or another question that comes up is, you know, what if you receive a full ride? You know, If you get a full scholarship to, you know, mm. to, to college and then you have this 529 money, You know, what do you do do with it then? Um, So I found, you know, found an example. Um, I'm on uh, Kiplinger.com. You know, somebody wrote in and said, you know, my daughter received a full volleyball scholarship to college. You know, what do we do with the 529? you know, regarding, you know, regarding the penalty and, and that kind of thing. And so they said, you know, you can withdraw up to the amount of the scholarship without having to pay the 10% penalty. Yeah.
0: Okay. Uh, but you yeah. will
1: have to pay taxes on the earnings. Yeah.
0: Yep, yep, so, yep. d- so you can avoid yep.
1: the penalty if, if you get a scholarship, yep. but, but you still have to pay taxes on the earnings.
0: Yeah. Okay. Oh, okay. I think I, re- yeah, I think I remember that. Okay. Thank you for that yeah. uh, clarification. So, um, so if they do go to school, but receive a scholarship, you can avoid um, the penalty if they don't go to school altogether. Right then you have to pay the penalty. right? Oh, and the, point, yeah. um,
1: you know, like the, whatever the institution, if, if you use Fidelity or whoever you use to, yeah. you know, they'll, they'll keep track of, you know, what you put in, you know, your contributions yeah. versus the earnings and they keep track of all that. And then if you take a distribution, they basically, you know, they send you a tax document that says, you know, here's how much of this distribution yeah. was, was your money. And here's how much was the earnings. And that's how the calculations are factored. If you know, if it's a you know, if it's a non-qualified distribution, yeah, then you know, you know what you have to pay taxes and penalties on.
0: That's right. And it's not the institution where your five twenty nine is held is not responsible for knowing um, if it's a qualified or non-qualified right. distribution. So they, they just that's report, they report it. You know, yeah.
1: here the numbers, and then you get you know, you have to you
0: know, you reconcile it when yeah. you go to do your taxes. So yeah. the, so five twenty nines, the financial institution. Can send the funds directly to the school if if you have you know if 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 you have the student you know student ID, obviously address whatever for the fin- uh, for the finance office and and student ID then it, it's sending it directly to the school is like the cleanest way to do it um, because then you don't have to save any record the money just went from the institution to the school so it went to education but oftentimes money is just sent to the, to the mom or the dad, and then mom or dad turn around and pay the college expenses. And if that's the case, that's no problem. That's right. still a qualified tax-free withdrawal. But I always recommend just save your receipts, S- save a cop, you know, save the receipt from this disbursement, um, you know, copy the, the check or yeah, whatever, the wire. A, if if you personal check, yeah. yeah, so, yeah. Save, all, save all those records so that if you're ever audited by the IRS and they question whether or not that 529 withdrawal was qualified for education, you have all your records there, especially if it went to mom and dad directly. And then funds went otherwise to the school. It's just, it's not as clean, but it's perfectly um,
1: legitimate. Yeah. And just, you know, one other thing I thought about, because we've seen this before, where like if you ever transfer 529 assets from one custodian to another, like say you go from Fidelity yeah. to American Funds, you know, make sure that that cost basis comes over. Uh, we've seen that before where it didn't come over. And then when they took a distribution, like they said the whole thing was gain and, and maybe uh, and maybe it wasn't. So
0: I, I do remember that. That's right. Um, All right, I'm Alyssa McNamara-Reed with my husband Kirk Reed, and we're talking about back-to-school, college-related stuff. You're listening to McNamara on Money. We're just going to take a break, and we'll be right back.